Now let us read together, please, if you would, from the Gospel of John. I invite you to turn to John's Gospel, chapter 6. John's Gospel, chapter 6, and we'll begin reading at the verse 1. John, chapter 6, and the verse 1. We read, After these things Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him, because they saw his miracles, which he did in them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here, which have five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about five thousand. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were sat down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together, and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which remained over, and above unto them that had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth that prophet that should come into the world. And a reading there, verse 14, and we know God will bless the reading of his own word to all of our hearts. I want to begin the message this morning by asking a very simple question, and it is this. Have you ever met someone, some man or woman, and you've said to yourself afterwards when you've listened to them, that is the most boring person I've ever met in my life. Someone who talks about I, me, and myself, and lives just in that universal uh, universe of their own particular lives. I remember on one occasion being out with the Reverend Fred Greenfield. We were met, met this gentleman and uh, spoke to him. And for the next number of minutes, he told us how wonderful he was and what he was doing and all the things that he was involved in and what he had said and so forth and so on. And after he had gone and I was going with Mr. Greenfield for a cup of coffee, Fred looked at me and he said, well... You know, if our brother could suck as well as he could blow, he'd make a wonderful factum cleaner. And sometimes that's true in life, that you meet people and they talk about themselves and they're the most boring people that you could possibly meet. Now, this is strange, but nevertheless it's true that no one ever talked about himself as much as the Lord Jesus Christ. For example, when you read the Gospel of John, you have those marvellous, magnificent statements 
uh, that the Lord makes, beginning with the words, I am. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the bread of life. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the true vine. I am the light of the world, and so on. And the amazing thing is this, although the Lord constantly and continually spoke of himself, people were never bored. As a matter of fact, we read in one of the other gospel narratives, and how that on one occasion the people followed the Lord out into a desert place, and they were there for three days, and they hadn't as much as a bite to eat. And the Lord was moved with compassion, and they performed a miracle similar uh, to the one that we read this morning. And I want to turn to this miracle of the Lord Jesus Christ, because every miracle, in a sense, is a parable, and there are great spiritual lessons to be learned. It's interesting to notice in passing that this is the only miracle of the Lord Jesus Christ that is recorded in each of the four Gospels. Sometimes a miracle is recorded once or twice or even three times. But of, out of all the miracles that Christ performed uh, during that three and a half years ministry, this is the only miracle that is recorded in all of the four Gospels. And so in many ways it is the chief of miracles because of its preeminence that is given to us in the Word of God. And I want to pick out just some very basic, simple lessons this morning, truths that I trust that the Holy Spirit will impress afresh upon our hearts. And I want you to see, first of all, what I've called the testing. The testing. This miracle begins with a story of a man whose faith was tested. And if you look there in verse 5, it says, When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company unto him, he saith unto Philip, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? Now Mark, verse 6, And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. And encircle and underline that word prove, for the word prove there means to put to the test. And so the Lord was testing Philip here. He singles him out and he wants to see how Philip is going to react in this situation. And Philip got his mental calculator out and he began to think and he looked at the crowd and then he began to think and he said, Lord, even if we had 200 penny worth of bread, it wouldn't be sufficient for every one of them to take a little. And 200 penny worth of bread was about the equivalent of a working man's wages for a year. And he said to the Lord, Lord, even if we had a working man's wages for a year, it wouldn't be sufficient for every one of them to take a little. And the problem with Philip was this, that instead of looking to the person of the Lord, he was looking to the problem. Instead of looking to the Savior, he was looking at the situation. And how often we fail even then as believers. We fail to trust God when God permits us to fall into certain situations and he's proving our faith. And never forget this, that faith grows by being tested. That's how the muscles of your faith are developed. 
by being tested and the Lord permitting you to be proved. You know, I think of that wonderful missionary who went out to Africa and did a, a tremendous work. And uh, when she went there, Dr. Helen Rosefear, uh, she started a hospital and a maternity section. And the little baby was born premature. And she said to her co-worker, a coloured lady, she said, you know, what we need is an incubator, but where are we going to get one away out here in the Congo? And we need to pray that God at least would provide a water bottle, a hot water bottle. If we can't get an incubator, a hot water bottle will do the job. So we'll pray about this. And the colored lady said to her, well, what about praying also for a little doll for this, her young sister? We'll ask the Lord to send a doll as well. And so there out in the mission field, they prayed, Lord, send a hot water bottle and send a little doll for this girl. The next day, a parcel arrived from England and in it was a hot water bottle and also a little doll that they were able to give to the Lord. What is the Lord saying to us? Before ye call, I will answer. And before they even prayed, God had touched hearts in England and God had supplied the need. You know, I was reading recently of Curry Ten Boom, the lady whose family was used during the dark days in Europe of the Holocaust uh, to save the lives of many Jewish families. And then they were informed on and they were put into a concentration camp and what an awful place it was. And Curry's sister took ill and Almost seems she had a bad flu and pneumonia. And she said to her sister, you know, I would give anything just to have a handkerchief. They said, we'll pray about it. And I prayed that God would send a handkerchief. The next day they went out into the yard. It was divided, the camp, by wire fences and barbed wire. And this lady came over to the side of the fence from another part of the camp. And she handed over a little parcel into Curry's hand and she said, that's for you. And when they opened it up, there was a handkerchief. Oh, heart, God hears and answers prayer. And young people learn this. Doesn't matter how little, how, how large it is, God can hear and answer prayer. And there's nothing too hard for the Lord. And so there was the testing Philip was tested, and Philip failed miserably. But then I want you to see quickly the telling. Notice someone else who steps into the story in verse 8. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here. Now you think of that great multitude of people there. Thousands of them. Uh, 5,000 men plus the women and the children. And out of that whole crowd, Andrew comes. He comes over to the Lord and he says, There's a lad here that has five barley loaves and two small fishes. And Andrew introduces the lad to the Saviour. You know, that's one of the lovely characteristics of Andrew. He never became a Simon Peter like his brother, a great preacher publicly. He never wrote any of the books of the New Testament. 
But every time you read about Andrew, he's introducing somebody to the Lord. Do you remember it says he first findeth Simon Peter, his own brother. And look what Peter became in the history of the church. And then when certain Greeks came to Jerusalem saying, <coughs> Sir, we would see Jesus. Philip, Andrew steps into the scene and he introduces them to the Saviour. And now there's a lad here unnamed, unknown, don't know anything about him. And he comes and he says, there's a lad here. What a word for children's workers. You know, I think of a man by the name of Edward Kimball. And his name wouldn't mean much, but he was, lived in Chicago. He had a Bible class of young men. And he took ill and he went to the doctor. And the doctor said, I'm afraid the climate here in Chicago doesn't suit your health. You'll have to move to somewhere else where it's warmer and get out of this climate for your health's sake. And Kimball was devastated, but he resolved that he was going to go round all of his Bible class. He was going to witness to them for the last time. And so he came to a shoe shop, and he went in, and he stood there, and he waited till the last customer was served. And then he went up, and a young man by the name of Dwight looked at him and said, Mr. Kimball, it's nice to see you. What can I do for you? And then Kimball spoke up, and he said, Dwight, I'm here because I have to leave Chicago. You've been in my Bible class, but you're not saved, Dwight. You're not saved. And it's breaking my heart that I'm leaving here and you still don't know Christ. Would you not accept Christ as your Savior? And they stepped into a little room at the back that was divided by a curtain from the main shop. That young man, D.L. Moody, knelt down along with a Sunday school teacher and he accepted Christ as a Savior. All because a Sunday school teacher said, there's a lad here. And he introduced Moody to the Savior. And it said of Moody that he took America with one hand and Great Britain with the other. And he lifted both nations towards heaven through the preaching of the gospel of the grace of God. Oh, who can tell what can happen through that boy or girl being saved an acorn can become an oak tree in the days that lie ahead. There is a lad here. You see, evangelism is just taking the hand of the sinner and the hand of the Saviour and bringing them both together. You be a witness for the Lord. But then I want you to see not only the testing and the telling, but I want you to see the taking. You see, this lad had five barley loaves and notice two small fishes. And then if you look there in verse 11, it says, And Jesus took the loaves and likewise of the fishes. And here's this wee boy and he comes unnamed, unknown. And yet without reservation, he hands what he has over to the Lord as five Barley loaves and his two small fishes. And the Lord took the loaves and he took the fishes. And through this, what this young man gave and dedicated into the hands of Christ, the Lord met the need of the multitude. 
And one of the things that the Bible teaches so clearly is how God, for his glory, can take up insignificant things and use them in a wonderful way. Do you remember the Lord came to Moses and he said, What is that in thine hand? And he said it was a rod, just a shepherd's rod that he used to lead and to defend the sheep. Then it became the rod of God and the omnipotence of God flowed through that rod and miracles were performed in bringing the children of Israel out of the house of bondage. David, what is in thine hand? Oh, it's just a sling and five smooth stones from the brook. Yet David takes one stone, puts it in the sling, he fires it and he lets it go. The result is Goliath is brought down and the children of Israel are delivered. And Mary, what is in thine hand? Oh, it's just a box of spikenard precious ointment and she breaks it and she lays it at the feet of Jesus and it's spoken of even today as a memorial for what she did. God can take up unimportant, insignificant things and use them for his glory. Someone said to Hudson Taylor, what's the secret of your success, Mr. Taylor? And the great missionary said, God was looking for someone weak enough, and he found me. God was looking for someone weak enough, and he found me. And when you read about the great heroes of faith in Hebrews 11, it says, out of weakness we're made strong. And God takes up the weak things and the foolish things that no flesh shall glory in his presence. And I want to say to young people this morning especially, it's not your ability God wants, it's your availability. And if you're willing to say, Lord, here am I, and put your all in the altar, God can take you up and use you, make you in the vessel sanctified and fit for the master's use, and use you to extend his kingdom. I'll never forget one Sunday morning sitting in the old Ravenhill church. Dr. Paisley was the preacher, and he spoke on the words, better pick these glasses up, they're too dear to stand on. And uh, he spoke in the words, the children of Ephraim being armed and turned back in the day of battle. And he just happened to say this, young man in the gallery, is God going to write across your life that you turn back in the day of battle or you're going to go through with God? And sitting there as a young Christian, I said, Lord, I have no education. I have no ability whatsoever. Never passed anything at school. When I was a young fellow, about 12 years of age, do you remember the old area shelters and the cobbled streets? Well, we had that down in Roslyn Street and they were digging them up and one day a fella threw one of them and I didn't get out of the road in time and it clipped me in the hip. Ended up going into hospital for several months, plastered a Paris from here down to my toes and then out into a wheelchair and pushed about for several months and then wearing a, a, a steel splint and a boot uh, and going about hobbling. And the great thing about this young people was this, 
I never darkened the door to school during those two years. I just thought it was great because I hated school from the day I went in to the day I left. And here's God calling me into service. I remember going into the WAC, going into the college there and said, Lord, what am I doing here? There's doctors, there's nurses, there's school teachers, and here am I. And I was just a baker. I served my time as a baker. And I must say, I had plenty of dough in those days. But anyway, I remember sitting there. Do you know what I prayed? I said, Lord, nail my hands to the plough with Calvary love, and Lord, help me never to turn back. And I had to work ten times harder than anybody else. Miss McDonald, who was an unclaimed tre treasure, the English teacher, she looked at me in front of them all and she said, Mr. Barnes, would you tell us what a demonstrative noun is? <laughs> and I had always a sense of humour. And I looked at her and I said, well, there's a lowdown, go down and showdown. And I tell you, there was a showdown, all right. She devoured me without salt. She gave me the biggest cleaning in front of that class I ever got in my life. But I want to tell you this. God brought us through. And I look back over the years and the years of training and going into whack and into the theological hall and out into God's work. And that proved that our sufficiency is of God. That I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And if there's a young person here and God's call, calling you into his work. Don't lack your inability or your weakness hold you back because you're just the kind of person that God can take and use in his service. And so you can see the testing and the telling and the taking. But notice the tearing. Notice what the Lord does with the loaves and the fishes. Because if you look there in verse 10, it says, And Jesus took the loaves, and when they had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples. And I want you to get this word picture in your mind. And the Lord has got the loaves and the fish, and he breaks them up into pieces. And as he does this, he multiplies them by divine omnipotence. And the fish and the bread are broken into pieces. And right across this, the lesson that God uses broken things and broken people. And one of the great needs that we have today in God's work <coughs> is brokenness among God's people. It's something that's sadly lacking. And yet when you read the Bible, you'll find from Jacob right onwards and how that God broke these men and women and he took them up and he used them for his honour. And for his glory. I remember in the early days of the free church, there was only about five churches, we were having a day of prayer. Dr. Pedley was there. A few ministers, what we had then. And we were praying. And I happened to open my eyes and look in the aisle. And there was Dr. Pedley lying stretched out, sobbing, crying to God for revival blessing. For revival blessing. Broken before God. You know, I think of Len Moles. Len Moles was an army major, uh, and he was a man's man. He was a tremendous missionary. 
And there was an army major, and God led hold of him, called him to the mission field. And he went out to Tibet, Tibet, along with Jack Purvis, the man who wrote Fair Sunshine, the book, and the Covenanters. And there they planted a little church and saw God working among the Tibetans and saw a New Testament church form. And one day the field leader came to Len and he said to Len, Len, there's a problem in the work and I need to talk to you about it. And I would like to meet with you in the morning up in a little plateau on one of the mountains and there we'll meet for prayer and I'll talk to you about this problem, Len. And you know, Len was just, field leader's got a problem and he's come to me. <laughs> he thought he was some pup. And so they met together for prayer early in the morning. Then the field leader said, Len, I've got to talk to you about the problem. Well, he said, what is the problem? He says, Len, it's you. He says, the missionaries are sick of you. They can't work with you. Dominate and dictate. Always giving orders, telling people to do this and to do that. And you just rub the missionaries the wrong way. And Len, they can take no more of land moles. Talk about a letdown, like a balloon being deflated. And Len was devastated. Didn't know what to say. And he said to the field leader, look, he said, if you don't mind, just leave me up here to I reflect these things and I pray. And he got before God and with tears in his eyes, he confessed his arrogance and his pride and how difficult he was to work with. And then he did something very unusual. He stretched himself out in the shape of a cross. And he prayed this. He said, Lord, I, Len Moles, am now crucified with Christ. I live yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And he came down from the mountain top, a crucified man, dead to self. A broken man, God broke his arrogant attitude, and it's no wonder he became the successor of C.T. Studd and became the international secretary and leader of the worldwide evangelization crusade. And beloved, I say this with love in my heart, if ever the free church needed a dose of brokenness, it's the day and hour in which we live. And we need to learn to walk the Calvary road like the Saviour who said, This is my body which is broken for you. Brokenness leads to blessing. Though what a lesson we have here in the Lord taking the loaves and the fishes and tearing them into pieces. But notice one final thing. Notice the transforming. The transforming. And how the Lord transfixed or reversed the whole situation. And that's one of the lovely features of John's gospel. The Lord comes to a situation, he turns it all about. And he comes to the marriage in Cana of Galilee. Mary says, of no wine. He says, fill the water pots with water. And then he said, draw it uh, to the master of the feast. And the water's been turned into wine. And the Lord has done the impossible. He's reversed the situation. He comes to the grave of Lazarus. And they said to him, Behold, he stinketh. He's been three, four days 
dead already, corruption has set in. And as they open the mouth of the sepulchre, the Lord stands and he cries out, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was bound hand and foot came forth. The Lord said, loose him and let him go. He reversed the whole situation. And then you come to John 21. And they said to the Lord, we have toiled all night and we have caught no fish. And the Lord says, cast the net on the right side of the ship. And the Bible says they were not able to draw because of the great catch of fish. And there was 153 great large fish in the net. The Lord reversed the situation. And you know, isn't that the wonderful thing of the grace of God? What he can do in a situation, he can do in a, a life. I mentioned Billy Bray there. Billy Bray was a drunken, blaspheming coal miner. And even his companions in the mines trembled when he was blaspheming. They said that his speech had the sulfur of hell upon it. And there was nobody more foul as a, a miner than Billy Bray. Then Billy Bray was in the house one day and he came across a book written by a Puritan, John Bunyan, the tinker from Bedford. And in this book, it's called Visions of Heaven and Hell. And he read the book and he came to a little section, a little paragraph, and it describes two men, two friends, cursing each other in hell because they've helped each other to come to hell. And the arrow of conviction struck Bunyan's heart and he had an old boozing companion and he said, is that really true? Will I curse my best friend in hell because they brought me uh, to this awful place? And God convicted him and then he claimed the promise, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened. He came back down to his wife and he says, you'll never see me drunk again. And he got wonderfully saved. And for 45 years he was known as a glory man throughout Cornwall preaching the gospel of Christ. You know, one of the saddest things I hear people say, and it's this, if I go to hell, I've plenty of company. Listen, sister, listen, dear. The last thing you'll want in hell is company company because they help to bring you to this place but thank God the door of mercy is open the opportunity is still there and you can seize it like Billy Bray and get off the broad road and reach for heaven and home today thank God salvation is of the Lord and whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved what a wonderful story but hallelujah, what a wonderful Savior is Jesus, my Savior. Trust that God will bless his word uh, to our hearts. We're just going to bow together in a word of prayer as we commit ourselves to the Lord. I'll go to the door for a few moments and then we will proceed with the communion service. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for thy word that heaven and earth shall pass away but my words shall abide forever. And O our God, we pray that you'll bless every brother and sister, and especially young people this morning. 
and help them, Lord, to put their all on the altar, realizing only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Jesus will last. Oh, our God, should there be anyone, Lord, in this service this morning and they're not saved, they know the gospel inside out, they've been nurtured in it, and yet they're still in the broad road. Oh, pluck them, Lord, pluck them as a brand from the burning. And grant, Lord, that even today someone young or old in this service will come to trust the Saviour. Be with those who must leave us and grant as we meet around the table of thy dear Son, Lord, we'll know the sweetness of the presence of Christ, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.